Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about staggering consequences of the 2022 midterms. Texas State Senator Bob Hall joins me in the studio. It's always fun. True the Vote leaders are jailed, and it's outrageous, and Musk and Twitter, the followers for conservatives. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. One week from today, the nation goes to the polls. We're talking about every single seat in the United States House of Representatives, every single seat in, I believe, every single seat in the United States at the state level, all state representatives, state House members, many U.S. senators up for re-election, many state senators up for re-election. And at this time in America, I want to make the argument today in this first five that this is an astoundingly consequential time in America. And the reason I say that is over the last two years, what we have witnessed under the Biden administration is not just simply a shift in policy between more conservative, more liberal, or something within the ballpark of America. We are watching the absolute leftist takedown of America, and I do not say that lightly. When you have a president of the United States who deliberately chooses policies to abandon the southern border, he is telling you he has no respect for the sovereignty of America. You cannot let them get away with some explanation about resources or strategy lacking or unintended consequences. This is a direct, deliberate attempt to attack the sovereignty of America, to undermine the sovereignty of America. I'll play in a moment for you. I have a clip of what happened at the border. I think it was just yesterday. But moving on, border alone is enough reason to recognize that we cannot allow power to remain in the hands of those in Washington, D.C., who have no respect for America's sovereignty. We cannot allow it. But that issue alone, which is enough, is not the only one in which we face absolutely dangerous consequences to America. And I'm going to just put a little point in here before I hit the other quick bullet points. It's one thing in a country to have leadership shift back and forth somewhere within the realm of maintaining constitutional rights, uh, the whole founding idea of America, the rights of individuals to live in liberty, uh, and, and you can have a variety of arguments and all sorts of issues. What we're watching really in Washington is the abandonment of the actual foundational ideas of America. And it is very hard for a nation to come back to freedom, to liberty, to what it was intended to be, once you have this level of abandonment of the country's values, it's very hard to come back without bloodshed. I have a dear friend who grew up in Romania. She lived there when it was actually peaceful and relatively safe, watched as communism rose, watched as the government became more and more intrusive and tyrannical, until the point that you couldn't practice your religion freely, you couldn't do any, many, many things that we Americans just take for granted. That capturing of the Romanian government by the communists and the actual eventual loss of freedom of the individuals in that country could only have been, they could not have turned life around there, could not have brought back freedom 
without, and they didn't bring it back, without bloodshed. In America, we are really, as Sidney Powell said in our show a few weeks ago, we're not at a cliff, a dangerous cliff, where maybe we're going over the edge towards socialism. We're already over the cliff. We are headed rapid speed to the crash at the bottom because we have let so many things happen in this country and our government has shifted so far left, the policies have shifted so far left that all we're really doing is grabbing as we're over the cliff already, trying to grab on to roots or trees or something to hold on to and pull ourselves back up. In addition to the border, bad enough, a whole other area in which this present government has truly abandoned the idea of America has to do with individual freedom of speech. When you have the Department of Homeland Security telling you openly that if you dare challenge the government's position on election integrity, if you dare challenge the government's position on COVID vaccines, on the efficacy of other co of treatments for COVID, that you might be a domestic terrorist, these, this is unthinkable in America, and it's real in America. What we're looking at, these are actually not fear-mongering by people who think these things, saying these things could happen. They are happening. We have gender lunacy. We have children being truly mutilated and the, a mentality of gender lunacy that has taken over and taken hold in public schools and in administrations and in academia around this country. This, this is cripples a society. We have election theft at a level, which we're going to get to this layer in the show today, not just election theft and the ongoing tactics of election, of election fraud. We have the people who expose it, the people who point out evidence and facts being sent to jail. It's jail. This is Catherine Engelbrecht, founder of True the Vote, and Greg Phillips, the gentleman who's worked with her on these issues. Because they exposed that Connick actually did did hold on to evidence, information in their servers about American election workers and their families, mounds of data, and they allowed it to sit on servers in China, which Gordon Chang has pointed out on this show, means the Chinese Communist Party government has that data. The people pointing out that level of fraud, they're the ones physically sitting in jail today as well as Tina Peters, who's joined us in the show before. She's in Colorado. She said recently to a dear friend of ours, a mutual friend, I know I'm headed to prison. And all she did was expose the fraud of the Dominion voting machines. We are at a very, very serious time in this country. It is impossible to overstate it. What we need to have a week from today is a massive red wave, a massive red wave, which means it's a message, not just that you want Republicans back in control. And I'm not here to brag about every Republican. I can happily and I freely criticize members of, the both, of both parties. But the, the left in this country, the Democrat party in this country has been overtaken by Marxism. Nothing less. They do not get an excuse for any of the policies they have engendered in this country simply because they're saying they have a good motive or they care or they didn't mean to have that result. We are watching truly the decline and destruction of America right before our very eyes. This election, one week from today, is a, is a possibility, holds a possibility for America's voters to stand up and reject everything spewing out of the Marxist left the Biden administration, everything coming, every policy they're doing from the border to tax policy to COVID tyranny, vaccination mandates, issue after issue after issue, the approach taken by the Biden administration is nothing less than radical Marxist tyranny. And the way to stop it in America is two steps. Is number one 
is to show up on election day and don't vote early unless you simply must. Vote on election day because it does reduce the potential for some methods of election theft to occur if you wait till election day to vote. So vote on election day unless you must vote early. And second, once we have a majority, and we hope again, the U.S. Congress, the U.S. Senate, as well as many state legislatures, it is time for the people of this country to hold the feet to the fire of every single elected representative of the Republican Party or any Democrat who simply wishes to ever have a political future. We must hold their feet to the fire. We must make them afraid to take one more step down the line of what the anti-American Marxist left is doing to this country. We're at a critical stage. This country can be protected, can be saved, but please understand this is the most serious election imaginable. There must be a massive red wave, a message to the Biden administration, which is not controlled by Biden, which is controlled by former President Obama and his cabal, the entire radical small cabal running this country with absolutely no allegiance to the American Constitution, no allegiance to the idea of personal freedom, individual freedom, no allegiance to the American people. There must be such a radical statement made by that election day that all of them are afraid to take one more step. There must be litigation to stop what they're doing in every arena possible, and there must be the American people standing up and saying, we, America, we want our country back. We want a country rooted in the ideas of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and we will not tolerate what this Marxist regime in Washington is doing to America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So we have a guest joining us in the studio. He didn't run out while I was giving that first five. That's good. So we have Senator Bob Hall. Uh, he's been a, a good friend. He is a uh, wonder. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm going to play my video. Let me just show you what happened at the border yesterday. When I talk about what happening at the, what's happening at the border, it's not just that they don't enforce it, and they don't enforce it. But we have managed through the years of the Obama administration, and, and remember who his vice president was, Biden, and now Biden's back in office. Just take a look at this short video, what happened at, the vid at our border here in Texas, and what's occurring, to give you a quick uh, hint ahead of time, people from Venezuela, which is pretty, I'm pretty sure doesn't border America, Venezuela came up through the southern border. They're waving a gigantic Venezuelan flag, demanding to come into the country, crossing the river, throwing rocks and other objects at border security agents. This is what happened at the American border. Troops. Like our troops are, they did not, by the way, did not, not, not shoot rubber bullets. They did shoot something at them to cause them to scatter. But these people show up at the border chanting, migrants build America. They're chanting left-wing ideas. Okay, that's enough. Just to show you this happened. They had to turn them away at the border. And understand, this didn't just happen out of the blue. It happened because the message has come from the Obama administration and now from the Biden administration that America has no border. We, in fact, encourage border crossers. We want border crossers. This is the message of Obama and Biden and folks down there in Venezuela figure that out. There are many other examples I've played in this show. The mentality of people trying to cross our border is not, I want to get a new life. The mentality is, I'm entitled to come to your country. I know you want me, I don't care about your laws, I won't follow them, and you're going to let me in. And this is the result, the direct and intended result of the conduct and message of the Obama and Biden administrations. And now, my friends, 
That was today's first five. Okay, Senator Bob Hall is here. He is a Texas State Senator from SD2, Senate District 2. He is every single conservative in the state of Texas favorite senator because he actually fights. He speaks up, he fights. It's a very quick way of introduction. We're going to talk about what he views as his priorities right now, but he is has a military background. He's a former captain, U.S. Air Force, uh, retired. He's a business owner, retired. He's been in the Texas State Senate since 2015, and he is a person who, unlike many elected officials, will actually stand on the hard issues, not just propose ideas, but try to find solutions, propose ideas, and then work at them, spread the information around, get people galvanized to support that, push his fellow senators to move forward in these issues that matter. Many, many elected officials, as you hear me complain about on the show often, love to come home during the breaks from their sessions and tell their voters, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in strong borders. Yeah, I believe in healthcare freedom. Yeah, I believe in protecting parents. I believe, and, and then they go to the legislature and do nothing, nothing. Unlike that, those folks, we have Texas Senator Bob Hall in studio. So, hi, Senator. Hello, Debbie. Thank you very much for having me on again. I appreciate it. And before we talk about Texas, I'd just like to comment on what you just had to say about what's happening in Washington, because it's not just that it's bad. It is scary. There are a lot of things that have been done that I don't like about how Washington does things. But when we see the lawlessness of the head of DHS and the FBI, Mearcus and Merrick Garland violating our basic constitution and the judges in the FISA courts that we're supposed to trust, we're supposed to depend on them to protect the people, doing what they've been doing since January 6th. It's and now they're talking. This is this recent arrest was is is just one in a long line of arrests of people that they suspect might have said something or thought something. We have the thought police going after them. Now, we have trashed our Constitution, and the what precedence they've, they've set is they can walk in and arrest anybody and accuse them of anything and hold them indefinitely without allowing them just their basic rights. And we've never seen that before. We've had problems with governments in the past, particularly Democrat-led overstepping, but this is so far overstepping, it ought to scare every American out there to their core. And that's what makes this next election so desperately important because we have to take back our Senate in Washington, our Congress, to be a roadblock and start the process of, of impeaching Mayorkas and Garland and arresting all of those that have been involved in this unlawful activity that they've been doing. We have to take aggressive action. It will only happen if we can win across the board, and that's at the national level. Amen to that. I'm very glad you said it. I could not agree more. The January 6th defendants, the loss of, you know, this whole notion of thinking the government's kind of picking on these people, these January 6th defendants, mm -hmm. because they were, you know, they support the other guy. This is political polluting of our administrative, of our national security power. And there appears to be not just that they go after these people, show up at their homes for, uh, who were even in the mall on January 16th, even going at the, into the uh, Capitol, uh, they break down their door, go inside, arrest them, due process been thrown out the window. This is a fundamental idea of America. that you, So you don't have tyranny. You have due process that says, these are the steps, we're going to follow them, and they just don't do it. And they've barely found a court that will even listen to, the, listen to those arguments. It is breathtaking. 
Absolutely. Okay. But here in Texas, we've got our own problems. And yes, we, we have do. issues, and, um, and um, we've got to, to make sure that we keep our re Republican majority in both our House. I mean, Texas is a red state. We've got the trifecta here. We have a, a Republican governor, Republican lieutenant governor, Speaker of the House, majority in the House, majority, so-called. So At least they wear the costumes of, of a Republican Party. That's a good but, line, costumes day after Halloween. That's I right. Want, you know, before we get to, I want to talk about every issue that what your priorities are, because I look, I've said to our listeners before, I think when you, because we have listeners around the country, uh, in fact, I think most outside of Texas, you hear people thinking, well, Texas, it's safe and secure forever. What are you even worried about? And actually, all of what's occurring in this, in this nationwide issue is actually part of, you know, it, it's being played out in Texas, too. I mean, we, we could lose a majority. I don't think we're going to lose a majority. But we are being attacked by all the same ideological evil that the, that the rest of the country is. And so we need fighters in Texas uh, almost more, more than you can even say. Absolutely. But, and, and if some of the safeguards we put in place in the last election on election security, if the people show up where the poll watchers to do their job, we will reduce the opportunity for error and fraud here in Texas, but we have it here in Texas. Now, you can continue to deny it. People can deny it all they want to, but it's real. We have the evidence. Uh, it's very difficult to get it. Our system is designed to keep you from being able to get the evidence. But I've, after a lot of study of several counties and what I've seen, and, and please, folks, don't take anything I have to say be discouragement to show up and vote. We've got to vote. We've got to win by overwhelming them. Right. But here in Texas, I call it a black box election process, and it, it is so opaque. Uh, we we don't know the accuracy of the of the election. We don't. There's no accountability of the people working it, and uh, there's no transparency. Matter of fact, there are only two things we actually know about our elections. One is that during the election period, some number of people showed up to vote, and when it was over with, a government agency announced who won. Other than that. We really we don't, don't we don't know anything. And, yeah. and Catherine Engelbright was dead on right in what they found or what was going on oh. out there. I, I can't wait to get that story. It's, I'm livid. She was on my show a few weeks ago, too. I mean, just amazing. Mm -hmm. Before we get into all the issues, one last thing I was going to say, you know, you uh, out there, uh, my happy listeners, you may get invitations all the time to go to fundraisers, to go to rallies. And sometimes you can think, OK, I, I already know the issues. I don't have to go. One thing that's happened in Texas, and I think it happens around the country, is that the serious patriots, the ones who are really paying attention and they understand the stakes in America, the stakes in Texas, they've started to be much more activist, started to show up at fundraisers, even or even if you just go and give a, a minimal amount, because you're trying to build the momentum, the energy and the message that says, we see what's happening and we're gonna stand with the people who are standing up for this state and for this country. And so there's fundraisers, and there's also just activism. And I've gotta tell you, I'm so disappointed. I'm asking, there was a fundraiser for you uh, last week, week before, um, at Senator Don Huffine's house. He was just yeah. on the show recently too. Okay, I have to tell you folks, Don Huffine's another great state senator, another uh, former senator, another great conservative. And we were unable, I think we were out of town or something we didn't or weren't didn't get to go to it but this people that showed up it was a great turnout and it was a turnout of conservative leaders people who were just rock solid back in the tea party days realizing mm -hmm. wow we're, we're at the point we've got to show up and stand up it was just a fabulous tribute to you i mean 
I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw the pictures. I was about crying. They oh, yeah. Doc, the Huffines, gracious couple, and uh, they did a great job. They actually had to cut off the list of people coming. Yep. There were too many to fit into the house. And they've and, got a and mansion. Was, yeah. And they do have a large one, but it was really um, – it speaks a lot about the goes because you're right. It was a, a Tea Party reunion from the early days. I mean, folks like uh, Connie Burton were there, Katrina, Katrina Pearson, yeah. uh, Doc Collins, uh, Ray Myers, uh, uh, the old originals. I was so sorry. Anyway, so, so I want to comment about, though, these kind of rallies, showing up at rallies helps. It sends a message to the public, to the media, and to other people who kind of stay out of politics. They might sit at home and talk at dinner and say, gee, I'm so upset. But when they start to see hundreds and thousands showing up for rallies, it makes them realize, oh, I'm not alone. People are with me. So you, you've just galvanized the conservative base. It just about melts me. Okay, so is this is a grassroots election. So now let's just talk about the issues that are going to you – know, we've got the Texas legislature coming up. And here in the great state of Texas, we don't want to meet all the time and pass laws endlessly. So there's basically one session, six months or so, every other year. So we have a session coming up, and so there's a lot of attention, of course, being played – to who's going to serve uh, in the Texas Senate and, and Texas House. So we went through a bunch of the issues, but just start with what are the top issues? You're going to be reelected. We know this. I shouldn't say get out and vote. No, you have to get out and vote, but you know, right. you're pretty yes. solidly Do, in. Yes, vote. Every, and take vote. at least three or four friends with you. Only vote I once, vote. but make every single friend you have, make sure they vote, unless, of course, you're liberal, in which case, you know, don't encourage them. Anyway, so I want to, so you get back to the Senate. And what, what's the top thing? What do you got to do? Well, for the first thing, the, the top, at least the top eight for sure, and if possibly the 15, are going to meet with me, are going to be the Republican platform items. It was elected by Republicans. Republicans worked real hard to come up with the things they thought our, our state needs most, and I'll be supporting those. And at the top, top of their list is election security. It is it is an issue that we we did a few things last session, but we basically have a system that's grown like Topsy, and we need to take a clean sheet of paper, and we need to remove those parts of it in a very, very complicated process we have that is administered uh, 254 different ways here in Texas because each county does its own thing, and we have a lot of very expensive equipment that is used to mark a sheet of, mark a sheet of paper with a little circle by when it can be done by hand. And we have a system of three election processes, early voting, election day, and mail-in ballots. We only need two, in-person voting and mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots, we need to limit that. Yes, as you say, mail-in ballots. Limited to the military, the disabled, and anyone who is out of the state will sign an affidavit that they're out of the district the entire in-person voting period. Nobody just because they're over 65 needs to get a ballot unless they're disabled. For okay. Mail, I like the mail-in ballot part, and I like limiting who can do it. And then, uh, I'm sorry, the early voting, what would you say about that? Where are you what we're going to do is, is combine early voting with Election Day and have an election period that starts on the second Monday before the second Tuesday of November, and it runs straight through. So we can deploy a machine at a precinct for voting where they can run a zero tape just before the polls open and then run a tally tape as soon as the polls close, to know how many votes were actually cast at that precinct. And at the precinct, they'll be voting with, with spe on specialty paper with, that's coded, hand-marked paper ballots that are read, read by a non-programmable optical reader. And, and so when, when the, uh, 
The tally is run when the polls are closed, and then the card is transported to central counting. Before the county, once they've collated the other precincts together, they will then verify that the number they're now still showing for that precinct matches what was on that tally tape. Yep. And, I, that, and then send it up to the state where when they collate it, they will go back and check all the way back to the precinct again. None of this is done to date, but okay. it will be real simple. You know, I've got to tell you, I am deeply grateful for someone like you who will think of the depth of, will examine the current process, understand where uh, cheating could occur and how you fix it. The two other things I want to ask you, one is about canvassing and the other one's about auditing. I mean, I, I love the idea of random auditing a county not realizing they might get audited until after it's over. Is that part of this? Oh, oh yeah, no, that, that will obviously, see, part of the canvassing be, will be a verification back to the printed numbers that were at the precinct right after the polls closed. And, and audits will be done, will be a random audit, pick a number, 10% of the precincts will be randomly chosen to do a hand count comparison to the tally tapes. And if the vote is off by 1%, then we'll hand count the rest of them for the entire county. Okay, is there a, you know, I know we can't go death penalty on this, but is there a serious penalty for someone actually caught intentionally cheating? Yes, yes, I plan to have, in what I'm gonna put in the bill, there will be penalties for not performing because it's gonna be simple. It's not gonna be complicated because a lot of the arguments in the past was, well, we can't put penalties because people make mistakes. Well, it's gonna be so simple that somebody something's done wrong they probably had to work at it to make it happen yeah i mean i i have been election judge election clerk poll watcher all those things and i mm -hmm. have seen people voters truly confused and and i realized what they did is probably a crime they didn't they were just confused they were showing up saying well i know i voted early and i voted again in person last week can i vote it again i mean they don't understand so i don't want that person prosecuted but someone who understands what mm -hmm. what, it, what that, I, I mean honestly 10 years is fine with me. You gotta be so afraid to cheat because you gotta be afraid you're gonna end up in jail. That's okay. not what you're afraid and, of. But our big problem is not dead people voting or illegal votings. Those are onesie twosie votes. They, um, the, the big problem we have is in flipping the votes after they've been cast. Yes, electronic, elect yeah. electronic manipulation, voter tabulation software. We yes. have been down this path a hundred times. Okay, uh, we can probably talk about that more, but I wanna hit the other issues you think are big. Cause I think election, to yeah. me, the two things, election and border, but and state of Texas. Number two is, is protecting our electrical grid. Our electrical grid is very fragile. Uh, it has been made more fragile by the unreliable wind and solar that's been greatly expanded over the last several years. We're operating and have been operating for the last two years above our true capacity. We've been running our equipment harder and longer than what it's designed to run, and we can't keep going with it. And unfortunately, because of the economics in there now with the wind and solar, there's no incentive for new thermal uh, oil or gas or coal. We shut down, the, the environment shut down dozens of our coal-fired plants and put us in this position. And so just from an operating standpoint, we've got to do something different. But we still have the threats of, of natural and man-made threats that would shut down our electrical system indefinitely. And people have to understand, electricity is the second most important thing to sustaining life. After Be water? No, no, uh, only air. Oh, only air. air is more important air because, because without electricity, most people cannot even get water. No pumps will run. Okay. And so, so it is the second most important thing. And we have the threats of both physical attack, we have uh, cyber attack, 
we have EMP, electromagnetic pulse, and GMD, a natural uh, occurrence of a sunspot we have absolutely no control over, and we know they're real, and, and they cause us problems today. We just haven't had one big enough lately to actually shut us down. But the power companies have done absolutely nothing on any of those. And okay. And we, we have a great documentary out right now that I'm taking around the state called Grid Down, Power Up, produced by a wonderful producer who really gets it right, David Tice, and it's narrated by Dennis Quaid. Um, it's fabulous. I was going to go to that next. You know something for people? I, people hear this electric grid issue, and they say, you know, I don't know what, um, what how bad could be. Okay, so electric grid, you know, so power doesn't work. The fact is, if we don't have our power working in our state, or anywhere in America, the, the predictions within at Washington, if we had power grid go down for a year, you would literally, 90% of America would die. It's, it's, these are because you can't get food in your home, you can't get your water to run, you can't pump your gas in your car, you can't go anywhere, trucks can't drive to deliver food to your grocery store. We, we are not even able to fathom the level of disaster. And in America, when we've had this grid issue, I mean, you've been working on it, I can't remember, I mean, since it, came up, right? Or actually, your background, that's right, your military background. No, I've been working on this since I was in the Air Force in the 60s, and I was the yeah. project officer that actually hardened the Minuteman intercontinental ballistic missile against this threat when we first discovered it. And it was an issue that uh, it would take much longer in the program here to explain how I got involved. It was God's hand in yes. my meeting of uh, people like Frank Gaffney and Peter Pry and Tommy Waller that uh, when I first got elected that said, uh, explained that Texas had its own electrical grid system and that I should have a bill to protect Texas. And so that's what we've had. We've introduced it every time. We've got it out of the Senate, but it's been hung up, it hangs up in the House. It doesn't get out of the House. Okay. I must tell you, someday I want to come back and talk about the grid again because we've had Frank Gaffney on the show, we've had Tommy Waller, we've talked about this issue. It's not like there's a real question, maybe nothing bad would happen if the grid went down. Everyone knows if it goes down, it's a huge problem. It's just, do we have the will, the temerity, the, the, just the utter determination to fix it? And you're one of the few leaders who says, yeah, we've got to find a way. Yep, no, we have, we have to have, it's, it, the only thing that's stopping us is the will. We know how to do it. We know what to do. And we actually have a couple of power companies that have stepped out and done some things. Actually, Centerpoint down in uh, Houston has designed, built, and now has in production uh, a, a substation that they're actually deploying. Uh, and the, the really good thing about it is that substation can now be built and deployed for 75% less than the cost of the current substation design. Which, again, you wonder what in the world is driving, especially the conservatives, to not get behind this. You probably have an answer for that. But I want to make sure we get through the issues that you think are top in Texas. Okay. Election, the grid. Child mutilations. We oh, have got the subject I never, ever thought we'd ever even be talking about uh, when I first ran for election. But hospitals that have now discovered, uh, and I have a, there's a video out from Vanderbilt in which the doctor who introduced this t said there is a new medical procedure that will be very profitable to the hospitals we need to pursue it and it's in its gender mutilation this is cutting the healthy body parts off of teenage boys and teenage girls 
And they said in that video, not only is the initial surgery very profitable, but we will be creating customers for the rest of their life. Because you mess up their lives for the rest of their that lives. That is correct. Oh, my and gosh. It, it's, it's an extension of exactly what we saw during COVID, where hospitals moved from being a benevolent organization whose number one objective was the well-being and good health of their patients to being profit-making. Profit-making, where they got bonuses for administering remdesivir, putting people on ventilators, and dying of the COVID. Huge bonus. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars paid to a hospital, which was what their, their incentive was not to get the patients well, but to keep them in the hospital for time and then have them die. That's the way they maximize their profit. Absolutely. And by the way, for our listeners, tomorrow on the show, Dr. Peter McCullough is joining us to talk about the current status of the COVID vaccines uh, and the actions of the medical industry and the licensing boards and just, just a world of people who have administrative power in the medical community in our country really going after anyone who speaks truth. And so this, uh, he's been an enormous uh, uh, just leader in the entire cause of exposing the, the, the danger flowing from the, the COVID vaccines, uh, the easy access we all could have had from the very beginning of COVID to effective remedies that would have just eliminated even the need for even considering vaccines. He's joining us tomorrow as he faces having lost his um, some of his privileges as a doctor because of speaking up for the truth. He, nationally renowned, can't wait to have you hear from him tomorrow. So on this child mutilation thing, you're right about how, I brought it because of the hospitals. I think America, I mean, my mother was a nurse and she worked in the hospital for years, the ER and, and the um, and, and, and the operating room. The idea you would ever question the, the impetus for hospitals providing treatment that they might have a motive to to make money over care for, for their patients seemed impossible. No, no, and there's a lot of people out there don't even know what we're talking about. But folks, we're, we're talking about teenage girls going in and having double mastectomies. They're being done right here in, in, in Dallas at the hospital and young boys, 12, 14 years old being castrated. All over gender dysphoria. Di which gender is, dysphoria. Okay, that, I heard a great term recently, fashionable lunacy. That is, this is that's exactly it's, it's what it beautiful. is. It's fashionable lunacy. It's telling people because this trend has taken hold, just like any other idiotic trend, only now it's it's permanently scarring and really destroying the lives of these young people. Oh, absolutely, because of the suicide rate for whether they do it just with, with drugs chemically or if they actually have surgery is like 200, 200 times greater for, for suicide right. for these kids. Uh, and it's got to stop. So you're going to go after that in the legislature yes, this absolutely. time. absolutely. Is it Florida? Somebody, one state passed a bill where they basically said yeah, that did, they're going to outlaw. The Florida, Florida they're, they're going to outlaw it there. We, we had one. We got it out of the Senate. But again, it got hung up in the House. We're okay. going to make it prohibit the doctors, make it uh, from, from, from performing it and prohibit insurance companies from providing insurance for a doctor. Oh, that's that a great it. piece. Yes. The insurance companies, because if the yes. insurance companies won't they, pay, the doctors they, won't do it. I'll tell you that. The, well, the governor tried to declare it as uh, child abuse, and I would say that it is child abuse, but it's not child abuse as the state generally defines child abuse. And unfortunately, that would be a CPS issue. And the only tool in CPS's toolbox to fight that is to take the child away from the parents. And, and that's not the right answer. And it can only happen after the abuse has occurred. And that's too late. So we've yeah. got to stop it before it happens. You're not kidding. Okay, so we're going to, I'm watching our time here. So election, protecting the grid, child mutilation. You said you had 
And medical. We've got a number of medical issues we have to address. The Texas Medical Board demonstrated that it's a rogue agency over the last couple of years and what it did in going after doctors and getting between doctors and their patients uh, and uh, penalizing doctors that were smart enough to use ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, budesonite. I know. Uh, that actually saved the lives of patients. And we've got to stop that. The nursing board uh, did it to some extent, but they changed what they were doing. We've got to stop the Met Texas Medical Board. Even the pharmacy board was acting. Uh, unfortunately, every, bills always have some unintended consequences. And several years ago, when we passed a bill that allowed pharmacies to refuse to fill prescriptions for the uh, morning after pill, the abortion mm -hmm. pill, out of right of conscience, that seemed like a good thing to do and to have them not fill opioids when they think they're doctor shopping. Well, unfortunately, they use that authority to not fill hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and bunesonite. And so we've got to correct that. So pharmacists don't you know, put themselves between doctors and their patients. And you're really freeing the doctors to, to prescribe what they believe is Ab best for the patients absolutely. and the pharmacies. Okay, I love that medical board, pharmacy board. I mean, the whole nope. notion, it, it's healthcare freedom for the individual and it's freedom for the professionals in the industries, the, the doctors or the pharmacists, uh, to be told, this is you have to actually comply with what the doctors are saying. You're not there to replace your judgment for the doctors and what was needed. Okay, next issue. And, I'm, and I'm, a patient's bill of rights. We, we, uh. we managed to get one little piece passed last session, and that was to prohibit the hospitals from uh, barring a uh, religious counselor visiting. And we changed it from pastor, clergy, to religious counselor so anybody could go in. Unfortunately, hospitals in their effort to try to thwart that said, okay, we'll let them in. Here's your five minutes. You can come in for five minutes and then you're gone. Uh, we're going to have to fix that. Patients need to have a right to try. If there's a med medication they want and they're willing to sign a waiver and accept responsibility for it, they need to be able to do that. And they need to be able to say, you know, this doctor that, I, that you mm. assigned me here in the hospital is not doing what I want. I want another doctor. Or I want another nurse. They, because the way the hospital administrators are now running, that's what the problem is. In the hospitals today, the administrator that's worried more about the finances of the hospital is yes. in charge and dictating what doctors can do. And, and, and that has to stop. Doc yeah. Doctors have to be able to treat their patients based on their medical training, not what's going to make the maximum profit for the hospital. Yeah, it's actually staggering. It's back to an earlier point we were on, but that administrators deciding that to make certain uh, provisions or prohibit certain things. This was driven in part by the COVID policy coming out of Washington, CDC, all the COVID policy that encouraged them to diagnose for COVID when there wasn't really COVID as a cause of death, diagnose for COVID when they weren't sure, order the certain prescriptions, uh, certain medications, prohibit others, all against the will of the doctor and the patient. And, and, and the hospitals went along with it because they made money from the federal government. Well, it was all part of the, the, the biggest scam this country has ever seen to support the, the, pharmacy, the pharmacy companies that were developing a vaccine that was never needed. There was never, ever a need for the vaccine. Vaccines are only needed when there is no, no other medications. We had medications that in, in early treatment, and that's why they prevented, that's why the hospitals shied away. For right. the first time ever on something, they they shied, they, they would not treat early, would do not do outpatient treatment. They would only treat patients, patients by bringing them into the hospital and then wait till they got very sick so they could give them remdesivir, put them on the ventilator, 
and then wait for him to die. Yep. It was the most astounding it, thing. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I want to make sure election, uh, protect the grid, um, child mutilation, medical board revisions, patients' bill of rights. You had one more or three more. Uh, no know. vaccine mandates, period. We have got oh. to prevent anybody from requiring a vaccine as a means of going anywhere, doing anything, working anywhere, going to school. Um, the whole issue of vaccines has gotten carried away, uh, particularly for children. There are more children being killed by the vaccine, de hurt, seriously uh, injured, or killed by the vaccine than the COVID ever came close to doing. I know. I tried to go over this on my show before, and tomorrow I kind of saved a lot of vaccine data because Dr. McCullough is going to come on to talk about this. But the idea that you would, and now the CDC has authorized the COVID vaccine as one of the ones they can't mandate that schools and states require a COVID vaccine, but they've added it to the list of vaccines that will be suggested. No, but watch for the watch for the federal government to start offering money to the schools if they require the vaccine to go there. That's how they do it. The federal government cannot force us to do things, but but they they put money with it and then take it away. And that's that's one of the, the bad things we have about our schools is the federal money always has strings and none of the strings are ever beneficial to anybody. It's amazing. Okay, uh, then you had one more. I'm, uh, School choice. It is time that we recognize that the parents are in charge of the education of their children and that they have rights. They have the rights to know everything that's happening in the school. They have the right to not have their child counseled by a school secretly to transgender or to get a, a abortion or to get uh, uh, drugs or anything like that. Uh, no secret counseling. And we have to make sure that they absolutely know that sex education is opt-in. We're still running into problems with schools that try to do sex education without getting parental permission. And we have to get these, these books that are designed to groom kids for these alternate ways of life that have now crept into our school libraries. And that our the bottom line is that the parents are in charge, and if what they're getting in the, the public school that they're going to, they need to be able to have the right, the right and the financial ability to get that child into a school that they think meets their child's needs. I have to tell you, Senator Hall, everything you just said, I was taking copious notes. It's a law school mm -hmm. habit. i got to take notes. But everything you said, I truly, these are mainstream, Main Street, I was at Apple Pie America, Thinking. It is, and I, what has happened, unfortunately, is the media goes so far left, and the Obama administration goes was so far left, and the Biden is so far left. What happens is we are a, we are we begin as, as just mainstream Americans to think that what we are standing up for is somehow far right and extreme, and this is the, the way the uh, conservative views and many things are cast. So then people don't want to fight because uh, well they said if you stand up against you know. Uh, for parents' rights in schools, you're probably an extremist. You're probably, and, and I just, I truly think people like you, uh, taking the clear, common sense, American positions are, are you know, you're, it's vital because you you help to validate to people. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. What he's saying. This this, this election, this election is a battle between good and evil, between dark and light, and if you take a look at the real difference between the two parties, you just go to the pre, just to their to their platform, and in the Republican platform, we recognize God is our creator and God is in charge. In 2012, the Democrat Party took God out of their platform 
And at the convention, when a few people tried to put it back in, there was about 15 or 20 minutes of booing God in, in there. And so you have a godless organization, and that's why you have these woke programs and this total disregard for the law that's coming out of the Democrats. And, you know, they, they defy that God creates each of us in the womb, uh, the one man and one woman for marriage and the sexes. It's like night and day difference. Right, God created ma uh, male and female, and, and that's all there is, folks. That's all there is. No, I, I know. You know I, I like that you're saying that because I, I try to always draw back from, I mean, I can get down in the weeds of the best of them. I can totally walk, but the big issues as you know, you look at America's political future and for the world, it is, is the, the uh, God-ordered creation and God-given identity going to be honored in your country, or are we going to live under a, you know, because if it's, if it's not God, it's just human intellect, it's just, and it's human uh, lust for power and tyranny and control. That's what drives the left, and the idea that people believe in God and take from their belief in God what they think is true about life, about themselves, about their purpose, about their identity. This, this is a roadblock they can't they cannot tolerate. This is why the left is so, I mean, it, they, it, they call it the godless left for a reason. Oh, absolutely. If you, if you look at what the right with the, the uh, of life, sexes, marriage, and the, and the left doesn't, I don't see how anybody can sit in a, a, a pew on Sunday in a church and then go vote for someone that's part of the Democrat Party on Tuesday that espouses the the annihilation of God, the killing of babies in the womb, even up in California now, they're talking about killing the baby 28 days after it's born. Oh my God. And, uh, and, uh, and the, you know, multiple sexes, there are only two. And, yep. and God created each one of them. And, and it is not what you think it is. And marriage was between a man and a woman. Uh, yeah, and know. so I just don't understand how they can sit there thinking and, and saying hymns and pray and then go vote for someone that wants to kill babies in the womb. Yeah, you know, it is really, it's, it's been a journey since, uh, maybe it started when Obama was inaugurated, but certainly since Biden was inaugurated, it's been a journey for many people to get out of just the political lanes and the political definition of, well, my party says this and your party says that, and I think this and you think X, to realize what the left is all about is really no different than what the communist uh, powers in, in history have been about. It is the annihilation of religion and the, and the hearts and minds of people, and they need to do that because, they, because there's no other basis upon which they, should, they can justify or they can convince people to allow them to control everything, control their life, take away their freedom. It, it, it is, it's, you know, you can say it's, it is, it's good and evil, it's God and godlessness, uh, it's America the free or communist tyranny. It, yep. it's, it's that big. And so I'm going to get around to a point I'm going to make. But for, actually, first, I want to thank you for coming. I, I went way over our time. I hope I did not hold you up too long. No, not at all. But there is one more issue we've got to do something, okay. and that is our border. You started talking about it earlier. We have got to secure our border. We oh. have got to keep pretending that it's just the federal government's responsibility to do this. You know, if, if Sam Adams had the same attitude about, well, we can't do this with the T because that belongs to King George. <laughs> That's and, a good analogy. And, and, That's um, funny. That's funny. And, uh, d and, and Washington, when we crossed the Delaware, says, well, this is, you know, that's really not our river. I don't think I have the authority to cross this to go get the British. We would still be under British control.
Right. That we, our, our people are being threatened with the fentanyl, fentanyl is coming across, the opioids that are coming across. These, every person you see crossing that border out there is coming here as a slave to the cartels. Nobody crosses that border that is not indebted to the cartels. So we are facilitating the slave trade of the cartels, the drug business of the cartels out Sex there. And, and, tra and trafficking in there by, by our passive attitude, well, the federal government will take care of it. I think Ken Cuccinelli is exactly right. We don't have to wait for an armed invasion. We owe it to the people of Texas and America to take that money we're spending and use it effectively to keep them on the other side of the border and challenge them. If, they, if the federal government then comes after us in the legislature that, that would vote to do that, as having broken federal law, I say bring it on. Bring I would on. love to see right. them come try to do that. I think we need to step up. We need to have a backbone and say enough is enough. They're killing Texas. They're, we, we, we've had more young people die with fentanyl this past year than any other way. And we've got I, I and the only it's, way to stop it is to take charge of our border. I loved your analogy of slavery. I know you had an interview where you expanded, expanded that idea and talked about how you're enabling slavery if you own a force the border. Senator Hall, I'm going to truly, I, I'm going to abandon my moral opposition to cloning and to say, if we can clone you and have about 20 of you take, you know, take over the Republican Party in Austin, be the strong leaders, because nothing we're saying, again, nothing we're saying is extreme, it's not far right, it's just common sense. Apple pie, Main Street, mainstream America, and, and we need to restore that and not worry about what it is the left or the media says about us. Uh, Senator Hall, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Oopsie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. it thank very you much, so and I appreciate much. all that you do and the message you get out. Okay, and hey, mm -hmm. folks, to support Senator Hall, you can go to his website, which is? SenatorBobHall.com. Just SenatorBobHall.com. Yeah, Senator Bob Hall. There he goes, right there on the screen. He's SD2, SenatorBobHall.com. Uh, this is true, uh, truly the hero of the Texas legislature. Again, thank you for coming. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm going to hit one other story. Okay, good thing I grew up in New York and I can speak quickly because I do want to hit two other quick stories today. We may only get to one of them. But I want to talk about what happened to the true the vote leaders jailed. I mean, a few weeks ago, we had Catherine Engelbrecht on the show, and she, likely you recall, is the one who gave the information. She founded True the Vote. Uh, years ago, we had her on the show, and she founded that. But she founded that organization, and she's the one that gave the information over to uh, the for the 2000 Mules film, Dinesh D'Souza's film, and used that information to essentially allow him to create a whole documentary around witnessing what is done with the mail-in ballots. That alone, at the end of the film, if you haven't seen 2000 Mules, you must see it. At the end of the film, they just run simple numbers, conservative numbers to tell you that form of theft alone was sufficient to actually throw the election. So that was enough. They finished that. Then they had their great day. Greg Phillips is working with her, with Catherine Engelbrecht. They basically said, if you think that was bad, wait till you hear, you know, the mail-in ballot form of election fraud. Wait till you see what we have next. And what they have uncovered involved information relating to a, a company uh, based in Michigan called Conic. And we talked about, I don't know when we talked about it recently, anyway, talked about this Conic organization uh, that was, is essentially run by the Chinese and is one of the organizations that provides uh, election software all around the country. And so what they exposed was that the data held in Conic's servers that is election data relating to tens of thousands, it might be hundreds of thousands of election workers and, and voters 
all over this country, that data is held on servers that are in communist China, Wuhan, China. Meaning, the communists have access, had access during our recent election in 2020, had access to mountains of information about election workers and voters in America, and that information obviously can be used to exploit, to bribe, to threaten. Who knows how they would use it? China's not our friend. The country of China is not our friend. And so the information that was uncovered by Greg Phillips, and when he uncovered this fact that this is what's happening with Connick, he actually took it to the FBI and said, hey, FBI, look what I uncovered. Look what Connick has. Look what they've done. And the Connick company we went through a couple of weeks ago that is basically run by American, uh, by people either who grew up in China or who, or who are Americans of Chinese descent, but they're very connected with the Chinese party, Chinese Communist Party. So he brings it to the FBI, and the FBI looked into it, said, okay, thank you very much, we'll look into it, and very quickly came back and threatened Greg Phillips with a crime because you must have hacked in to Connick in order to know what Connick has. Well, uh, first of all, I don't care if he did or didn't, but yes, that seems logical. So what's happened now is Connick, and we mentioned uh, recently, too, we went through the arrest, uh, the arrest of the Connick CEO, um, whose name is not right in front of me, but the Connick CEO got arrested for doing exactly what Greg Phillips said he did allowed access, and he got arrested actually in California because California had contracted with Connick for their election information. So he was arrested in California because he had allowed, he violated the contract that was between uh, California and their company with election data, made it available to the Chinese communists by putting it in a server in China. So he gets arrested, and then after that, the Connick company has sued for defamation, which, never mind, defamation means it has to be a lie involved. That's what defamation means. My lawyer head is a bit like 101 you know, law. It has to be a lie. So Connick sues uh, the defamation case uh, brought by Connick. Election software company sued True the Vote. And basically, uh, they said that they said it was defamation because they're calling it a lie. Uh, that the Chinese government had access to a server in China that held the personal information of nearly 2 million U.S. election workers. Okay, maybe not voters, but election workers. So Connick disputes the claim, said, you know, that that didn't happen. Well, now the head of Connick's been arrested because it's exactly what happened. In fact, the FBI had to use the information that Greg Phillips gave them to get to the Connick company to figure out that it should, that this guy, the head of the company, I think the last name is Vu, I'm sorry I don't have it handy to, to my, um, and my many papers I have here, but in any case, the CEO gets arrested, and so now Connick is suing through the vote, and they're in federal district court here in the gray state of Texas. So they're in district court over a defamation case, and defamation, again, requires a lie. Defamation is a civil action. This is not a prosecution by Texas or the U.S. government. It's just defamation. Like if I sued someone who uh, defamed me or I believe defamed me. So the judge in that case said is, is to process this case as moving forward asks, you know, both, um, both uh, Gregory Phillips and um, Catherine Engelbrecht, well, who is your source? Who's your anonymous source? that gave you this information that uh, got you into recognizing what Connick had pulled off, and they would not divulge the identity of the informant. It appears, I believe they're stating, that the identity of the informant is an FBI agent. 
So somebody in the FBI who still has a conscience helped Catherine and Gregory Greg uh, Phillips get this information and led ultimately to the arrest, the criminal arrest of the head of uh, head of Connick. I'm getting to the point. I, I know my, my legal head, I get way down, the, but just listen to how absurd this is. This is a civil litigation. Connick says, I was, you know, you, know, we defa you defamed us, and they said, no, we didn't. And then they, and they, he says, well, where'd you get the information? They say, we're not going to tell you. Okay, so that actually should help Connick's case because he's basically, basically saying, well, look, these people, they can't even defend. I mean, it would help Connick's case if both Gregory and Catherine Engelbrecht would say, we're not going to tell you because that's kind of like they won't back up their story. But instead, the judge ordered, he actually held both Catherine Engelbrecht and Gregory Phillips in contempt, which is, you know, when you don't do what a judge says. You can get held in contempt in court if you keep interrupting a witness, if you do other things that the judge has said stop doing that and you're held in contempt. He held him in contempt for not just not disclosing the identity of the FBI agent and then who or the supposed FBI agent who gave the information and then he ordered them to jail. So as we sit here talking about America and freedom, these two American heroes and they are American heroes, Catherine Engelbrecht and Gregory Phillips are sitting in jail. I want you to think about how this all works. They might be the two most knowledgeable people in America for as to this aspect of election fraud, how Connick was, because they are working with this FBI guy who gave them all the information, they're aware of how Connick uh, saved data, nearly two million election workers in servers in China. And so now they, they can't communicate, they're in jail, and we're a week away from an election. And, and the absurdity of it is, there's no reason for the judge to hold them in contempt at all. It's, it's not a criminal, they're not journalists, and, and it's not a criminal prosecution. All their refusal to give the information, identity um, of the informant uh, does is it, may, it helps Connick's case, number one, and number two, it doesn't impact the outcome of the litigation. Connick is saying, you lied because you said we, store, we store, stored our data in China's servers, which apparently they did, given that the left wing, uh, it was the left wing prosecutor in LA who brought charges against them. Believe me, the last thing any Democrat DA is gonna wanna do is go after election fraud. They like election fraud. They benefit from election fraud. But there was so much pressure and obvious uh, criminality that they were the guy, the head of Connick was arrested. I think the last thing, yeah, th thank you, someone's texting me, Eugene Yu. Eugene, his last name is Y-U. Eugene Yu was the head of the of Connick who got arrested. I mean, the absurdity is he got arrested because the DA believed there was enough evidence that he did exactly what Gregory Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht said he did. So it's the absurdity is that alone. He's been arrested, so it doesn't prove he's guilty, but it proves there was a mountain of information. And the identity of the informant, this is maybe the most important point, the identity of the informant doesn't do anything, doesn't matter at all, as to the question of whether or not Connick got defamed. If Connick never had election data sitting on a server in China, then they were defamed, there was a lie. If Connick did do that, you know, then, then, uh, then they were not defamed and they lose the case. The point is, it doesn't make any difference at all. No difference at all to the civil litigation, the identity of this hidden informant.
And the, the idea, of course, if you are Catherine Engelbrecht and Gregory Phillips, and you've gotten information from an insider of the FBI who's helping you expose the corrupt-to-the-core FBI who won't look into this, you are a hero. You are a hero to, uh, to many people who want that fraud exposed. And so the idea that they would possibly divulge the identity of this informant is absurd. Of course they can't do that. And the judge knows they can't do that. The judge, and there's no basis, no basis in law for holding them in contempt for not identifying this person. They either defamed Connick or they didn't defame Connick. That's the whole question. It can make you think that the litigation was filed in order for Connick to go snooping into how much uh, Gregory Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht knew and who told them. You know, folks, uh, I'm out of time on the show today. I'm trying to be better and not go over my <laughs> overtime. Um, my producer's clapping in there. But anyway, uh, I am trying to not go over the time. So I have one more topic today, but I have to get to it tomorrow. I do want to talk to you about what's happened with Musk taking over Twitter. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, but I, I will have to close out the show today. But I really want to close out kind of saying what I was saying at the beginning of the show today. It's These elections are vital. The fact that you have a judge in Texas who would lock up Two people who are national heroes exposing the corruption involving Chinese Communist Party getting American election workers' data, and the people in jail are the ones who exposed it. This is a serious, serious sign of how corrupt our system is, how a judge, whether he actually understands what he's doing is, is so wrong and he's just part of a problem, or if he doesn't, maybe he just is actually clueless and isn't following at all. At the end of the day, this is an outrageous thing, and these two are in jail, and we have an election coming up in a week. They're the, among the most knowledgeable, the most knowledgeable who could help us all understand uh, what's going to happen in a week. Speaking of our Thursday shows, which I wasn't, but now I am, before I go to why it matters to you. This Thursday, we have Chad Jackson coming in. He is one of the main writers and stars of the uh, amazing uh, documentary that, that is a, actually a part two, the Uncle Tom 2 documentary, uh, and it's about cultural Marxism trying to convince American blacks to think they're victims and to drive racial division in American society. Uncle Tom 2, he's going to be great. You'll love it. A uh, week from then, so two days after our big elections, next Thursday, November 10th, we have uh, Seth Keschel joining us. Seth Keschel is a uh, a, an enormous data guy who's going to be telling us all sorts of information about the elections um, and be able to pull out data that, I mean, he, he's breathtaking to have him. It's just, it's going to be a great, great day. On the 10th and the 17th, we have Kevin Freeman, who is the, uh, who's a brilliant economist, a brilliant uh, writer. Uh, he has his own show, um, Economic War Room. He's going to be talking with us about all the ways in which we have been corrupted by economic warfare, by China and others. We've got great Thursday shows coming up. We have great guests coming up this whole month. So I'll wrap up the show by saying I go, I go to Why It Matters to You, as I do at the end of every show. Uh, and I will remind you, since over time, this show is every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, do come back each day. But now let's turn and talk about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show. If America is to be restored peacefully, um, and we do, we all in favor of peaceful restoration. If America is to be restored peacefully, we mu this must begin with an overwhelming MAGA red wave on November 8th. And I can't urge you strong enough, folks, as one week from today, please, please, not only get out and vote, uh, but get out and vote and remind everyone who votes conservatively to get out and vote with you. Okay. 
Election day voting must swamp the election, the machine algorithms. Uh, incumbent leftists must receive emphatic rejection. Red wave election beneficiaries must lead with boldness and decisiveness to stop the left. A U.S. House and Senate leadership must change to reflect the urgency of the times and the desperation of the American people. Close the border, end election fraud. We have corrupt institutions. The FBI, DOJ, CDC must be dismantled, de-weaponized, and begun again. There is no historical precedent for the peaceful restoration of freedom and justice after it has been so brazenly taken away. But Americans are awake and determined. On November 8th, red wave must mark a new birth of freedom in America. Now, the truth about leaders jailed, Connick and Michigan Company and CEO Eugene Yu already publicly exposed uh, by law enforcement officials in L.A. County as clearly connected to the Chinese Communist Party as breaching their obligations to keep election records stored in the USA and not in China. That should end the story of any defamation case by Connick. Connick CEO actually arrested in California and charged with crimes. Yet a Texas judge pretends not to know the facts above, honors Connick's defamation lawsuit against True the Vote for exposing Connick's fraudulent behavior and ominous connection to U.S. election fraud. A Texas judge holds True the Vote founder Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips in contempt for not disclosing their informant and sends them to jail. Texas judge represents a new low in leftist activism from the bench. He's protecting China and the CCP by trying to silence and thwart exposure by American patriots. This is unconscionable and should be grounds for impeachment. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can